था Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Crop progress report came out yesterday. Some decent harvest weather happening. But then we also had some trade news that wasn't so positive. But surprisingly, the markets have looked at that and still traded on, green on the screen. And we're going to find out all the details as Mike Zuzalo is joining us this afternoon with Global Commodity Analytics. And I think, Mike, let's start there. Negative news, but the market's not reacting. Is it just because we're fed up and we're just going to wait till stuff is signed, sealed, and delivered to really react? Well, I do think there is some element of that that I think maybe the funds are getting tired enough of trading the U.S.-China tariff news and then seeing supply-demand fundamentals like we saw in the Harvest Progress reports. And I quite frankly feel like, Susan, that the Harvest Progress report should have been traded as far as more bullish analysis that we've been seeing should have been traded a couple weeks ago, but we continue to have to wait on the wheat market. But I think that was maybe the catalyst. We saw last week when you and I were together at the NAFB how the hard red wheat tried to establish a rally up Tuesday, gave everything back and more on a Wednesday. That's going to be the template and the barometer for what we face as we go in the middle of this week, I think. We just need consistency and we need follow-through at this stage. I think the Kansas wheat condition number of 47%, good to excellent on yesterday's update, versus 51% a prior week, and that compares to 43% a year ago, would suggest that we are still in a below-normal uh, wheat condition situation. And we noticed that KC wheat, or the what used to be called KC wheat, the hard red wheat, was the leader to the upside today and really helped the corn market especially. And I think also helping the corn market was the idea that we've had two days in a row of unknown export sales uh, to unknown destinations. And I think that really wipes away some of the negative export demand bias and a lot of the short side of the spreads when it comes to the corn markets. So President Trump tweeted about the 1230-ish uh, central time that without a U.S.-China trade deal, they, he will go ahead and hike those tariffs up. And those December 15 tariffs, uh, I would call them kind of a line in the sand. Uh, they would be economically, I think, kind of a bone crusher uh, because they include the smartphones and the, uh, and the uh, uh, software uh, computer, laptops, and you're talking about toys as well. So some of the biggest items that both economies rely upon uh, would not be a good situation. Those tariffs would go ahead and be implemented. Having said that, um, him saying that, that he would go ahead and clap those tariffs, it showed us that, that this was not the top factor in the price determination today. So Going back to your question and point, I think it's a really welcome change. You know, and we've been talking, and I, we talked about this last week in Kansas City at, at the point that folks are just sick of it. They're sick of, of the discussion of trade without any concrete information. And so I think this kind of proved what both of us have been hearing in the countryside. Yes, it has. And I think there's a lot of disparity between what's actually going on and what the feeling is at the Board of Trade. And we're starting to see that more and more in the cash. One of the other things that we're hearing a lot about as you rightfully point out, we're sick of talking about the U.S.-China trade negotiations. We're also hearing a lot more about the cash price of corn, especially versus the futures price. And I can tell you that in the central Illinois average corn price category, we are now up 8.5% uh, versus last year. And that's after a 1.5% decline last week. So. 
before last week's decline, we were literally running 10% higher in central Illinois corn prices versus a futures market that is even with last year. And I think something's going to have to change, and I just got done putting up a very large post, about a 30-minute audio commentary, talking about 18 different graphs and charts that I posted on my website. The hallmark or the centerpiece of it being why this disparity between the futures and the cash, and is it going to matter more as we go into the December corn delivery at the end of the month? Because world corn stocks to use ratios at 26% are the tightest since 2013-2014. We have the smallest area for Mexico being planted in corn this year. That's not going to change, Susan. That's in the rearview mirror. So I think there's a lot of things coming due here when it comes to the corn price at the Board of Trade. Number one, it makes me feel like the coverage for livestock feeders needs to be done for the first quarter and second quarter if you're not buying cash. Get your board prices covered at this stage of the game. You, you talk about Mexico. Go a little bit farther uh south into the east as we look at south america we know that brazil's getting some decent planting progress it sounds like weather is helping them out at this point yeah they are and i think even argentina is coming around a little bit as well um the uh buenos aires grains exchange reported just this morning that uh, argentina corn planting was up to about 2.8 million hectares um that's about 45 percent of the projected area that compares to, I think it was around 2.1 million they had planted last year at this time. So if you use the exact same planting area, which probably isn't quite right, but they're roughly running 30% ahead of where they were last year at this time. The problem with that is that they're planting in very dry weather. Uh, forecasts are for improved chances for rain this next 7 to 10 days, but if they don't get that, um, it's going to be very, very hard for them to get into that 49, 50, 51 million metric ton corn production level. And, you know, like we talked about last week, they are the number two grain exporter in the world. They really will matter when it comes to the corn this coming year because we know that the Ukrainians have a little bit tighter supply. We know the wheat is tightening up globally. Um, I find it very interesting that the wheat corn spread now, the soft red corn wheat against the lead month corn, is trading at a dollar forty-three premium right now. That is getting close to the highs in lead month futures, going all the way back to 2019 and the beginning of this year. So we don't have wheat as a negative force on the futures price for a change, and yet the corn market hasn't really woken up to that yet. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Mike Zuzalo continues our conversation into part two, let's talk about the dollar. Uh, we did see some lower uh, values in the trade today. How does that set up as we compare it to the global? Well, you know, one of the things that I think is more beneficial to the currency markets lately here, Susan, is the fact that they're being a little bit more specific and a little bit more particular trading cross-exchange rates instead of overall in uh, macro, buy the dollar, sell everything else. And I think that's a very healthy change from what we've experienced the last six months. You know, we have a Brazilian real that is nearing and has just made a brand-new, fresh, all-time low against the U.S. dollar. But by the same token, the Chinese currency, because of the trade negotiations, 
uh, has been able to fall off uh, its uh, weakness and, and its near record lows against the U.S. dollar, and has regained about three percent of its value over the course of the last you know six seven weeks. And so, when you have this kind of difference between major currencies, I think it gives the currencies less play in the marketplace when it comes to the ag sector and the export potential. This is where the U.S.-China trade negotiations and USMCA really have a lot of horsepower and a lot of pull with what the U.S. dollar index and its broad-based move against a lot of currencies will probably impact us the most on. In other words, if Speaker Pelosi can stop the impeachment proceedings for a little bit and move ahead with a vote and get passage of USMCA, I think that would be very beneficial to the dollar as a whole, weakening against the Brazilian currency, against the Mexican currency, and against the Canadian dollar. All good things. And by the same token, if the U.S.-China trade negotiations fall apart and we implement those December 15 tariffs, that maybe will give the dollar on a broad-based spectrum the safe haven mindset. People, the investors buy the U.S. dollar index as a safe haven and and run back into it much like they would the gold market. So this is where the currencies, uh, we've been on a better track when it comes to the commodities. There's still a lot to have to watch for, though. You know, as talking to producers to the north, propane shortage still continues to be a concern for them, and I did see a little bit of market chatter still about it today. Yes, and I think this is not going to change because of the fact that it takes so much time to be able to get that corn uh, dried down. And and what I'm hearing is we're still dealing with corn moisture in the mid-20s for what we can get out, and the weather is certainly not helping either. I talked to several clients in southern Illinois who still have some corn and beans to get out of the fields, clients in northern Illinois who have a lot of corn to still get out of the fields, and clients in Minnesota above I-94 telling me they have almost two-thirds of their corn still to get out of the fields. This weather pattern is not helping that moisture level much, so that propane demand is just going to be very, very strong. And unfortunately, those areas of the country, except for the southern Illinois folks, um, they're going to have to truck it in from many, many hours away uh, as opposed to be able to get it from uh, anything from terms of the natural gas terminal. Jumping over to the livestock side, uh, cattle market, um, you talked about them hitting some lofty levels. Is this something that we're going to see continue? Well, I think we will keep an elevated price in the cattle. I've been really impressed with the idea that with the break in the hogs, which I think we're getting close to a low in the hogs, maybe as early as the end of this month, and something that maybe I will have hog hedgers who have missed out on some higher prices earlier this year try and come back in and reown some hogs that have been marketed in the months of August and September. But with the hogs breaking, I have been very impressed with cattle and that's been really led by the feeder cattle. The feeder cattle getting close to that 149, 150 level uh, earlier this month, <clears throat> that is the highest level. When you look at a 52-week moving average or you look at a 100-month moving average, Susan, we're back above the 100-month moving average for the first time since October 2015 when it comes to the feeders. So I think that the feeder cattle have made their turn because the cattle on feed numbers placements numbers, marketing numbers, on-feed numbers have started to show their seasonal decline and in some cases have been below last year's levels for two months in a row. Now, having said all that, while I'm not a hedger on the short side of the feeders, I really do think that the 
uh, hedging of the fat cattle in the April contract especially is very appealing because it is a profitable hedge. And if the market continues to go up into the wintertime on bad weather or something like that, while I'll take a paper loss, I, I'll really be you know looking pretty much in the green when it comes to the actual cash fats being marketed. And get ready for all that holiday pressure to start really sinking in. We sure hope so, but I will have to say that ground beef price has rallied so sharply and even in a counter-seasonal manner, I'm a little bit nervous. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is to get a trial, and you know I would include this new blog, this special report on the corn and the audio commentary. Go to globalanalytics.biz and request a password for that. Otherwise, give me a call at 866-471-2588, and we can discuss the services and whether I can help your farm or ranch or not. All right. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast to our website at ruralradio.com. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.